good to see everybody out this morning. Those uh, statistics are pretty powerful, powerful, are they not? Pretty overwhelming. Um, what's going on in this world today? And uh, so today we're going to be um, discussing the importance of missions and being able, uh, as a church, to 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 be a God's light. God's salt in this earth. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. But before I get started, I want to introduce or uh, dismiss, not introduce, but dismiss the 10 and 11 year olds to their class. If you guys want to head back with Lincoln, I'll take you back there and teach you a lesson. If you're visiting with us today, we just want to, I just want to extend a, a welcome to you. I just want to thank you for being here and choosing to worship with us. Um, we have a gift for you there at the front. Hopefully you got one, but it just is a packet of who we are and what we're all about. And so if you're visiting with us today, please feel free to grab one of those. And, uh, and we'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have um, about our church and what we're all about. And basically that's all about Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about and discussing today. Uh, Mission Sunday is what we're pre- uh, uh, titling it today in my sermon. And... Uh, on the heel of our short-term mission trips to India that we finished in February, the end of February, uh, we just wanted to come to you and present uh, not only the, the, the details and the successes of our trip, but also provide you an opportunity um, as, as the church um, to give you uh, some, uh, some guidance and focus as far as what we want to do and why we think um, going beyond our walls here in, uh, here in Lehigh and even out of the state of Utah and across the world, why that's important. And so I want to provide you the biblical framework for that. And so uh, the first thing I'd want to do is kind of discuss the three distinctives of a healthy church, why it's important, why such a small church like this, why are we taking our talents and our time and our resources to, to go halfway across the world um, to try to, to make a difference for, for God's kingdom and so I want to provide you the, the biblical framework for, for why we think that's important. So there's three distinctives of a healthy church that the Bible pro- provides for us. The first one is the upward focus. So as a church we meet, and, and we hopefully you would agree with us that every Sunday we, we um, try to, to emphasize the fact that it's so important for each of us and every one of us to have an upward focus, that each and every one need to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he's provided in his uh, reconciliation work, his substitutionary work on the cross. That is a way in which we can be um, united with God, reconciled with God, have relationship with God, be adopted into his family. So upward focus is extremely important of a healthy church. It's an extremely important distinctive. Also, the second one is inward focus. After we have that upward focus emphasized, we want to begin to emphasize on our uh, need for the body, the church body here, uh, to be in unity and to do life together, to bear one another's burdens, all these things that the Bible calls us to do as a church. So we have an upward focus towards God, an inward focus towards one another, the body of the church, and then finally the outward focus. And that's what we're going to be emphasizing and focusing on today. And that's the need to look beyond ourselves and beyond our walls and, and fulfill, fulfill, fulfill what Jesus commanded, and that's the Great Commission. And so the uh, first one I want to focus on, I think it's, it's good to be able to just uh, briefly look at each one of these distinctives. And the first one, of course, is upward focus. And I have here John fifteen five. This is Jesus talking. And he says, I am the vine. 
You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so here we are, we have our Savior Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry telling us in his word, captured by John, that we are to abide in him. And we cannot do anything if we're not abiding in him. Without, apart from me, ye can do nothing. There's lots of things and uh, outward works that we can do, but unless we're abiding in Christ, it's all for, for naught. It's all for vain, and that's what Christ is telling us there in John 15:5. So the upward focus is so key for us. We can't lose that. In Revelation chapter 2, John is again writing, and Jesus gives him uh, messages to give to seven churches. And he talks to about, tells John to write up to the church of Ephesus. And he says, I see your works. You're doing all these wonderful things. You're calling out people that claim to be prophets and apostles and they're not. You're doing all these wonderful things, but you've left your first love, was his, his comment to that church. And that first love is that, that open focus and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so important that we never lose focus on that of him and the upward focus on that. Uh, the author of Hebrews puts it um, very succinctly. I love this passage of Scripture, John, or Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. And if you have your Bibles this morning, feel free to follow along. And there should be a Bible in the back if you can't see it up there behind me. Uh, there should be in your, the seat back there, there should be some Bibles for you if you'd like to follow along as well. Um, so verse 1 says in Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the same shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So here it is, the writer telling us that this, what we're doing here, this Christian walk, it's a, it's a, he's putting it in terms of a race. And this race that we have is not a sprint. <laughs> it's a marathon in many instances. And the, he gives us these keys to success here that we understand that this is a a walk of faith, as he points to us, this great cloud of witnesses, as he's pointing back to chapter 11, the, where it's listed all these, these people in, the, in, in God's word uh, who had trusted God and his promises and lists those out for these great cloud of witnesses, this walk of faith. And he demonstrates that because of their faith, right, they, they achieved what God desired and they had relationship with God. And, and so he provides those witnesses for us to have a this race and what you know race this race with with faith it's it's faith and and the key to that success and that endurance for this race is fixing our eyes on Jesus the upward focus for he is the author and perfecter of our faith i uh i taught this passage um a few years ago in uh 10 years ago, Ed and Tim, well, I don't think Ed and Tammy were there quite yet, but probably about 10 years ago. It was probably one of my first sermons, and so I had to, I used a baseball bat, and I brought up one of the sports kids that had, you know, was really good at sports, and I 
made him try to balance this baseball bat in the palm of his hand like this, but I made him look at the, the base, and that's all he could look at, and he couldn't do it, right? Very talented, athletic kid. He could not keep that bat balanced in the palm of his hand. And then I told him to, to try to keep it balanced, but just keep looking around everywhere except for the bat. Well, that didn't go so well. I was thinking about doing it up here, but I thought probably would break something, right? But then I had him put his eyes on the tip of the bat and balance it in his hand. As long as he kept his eyes focused on the tip of the bat, he could balance that bat. And this is what this passage is calling us to, keeping and fixing our eyes on Jesus. The upward focus is so important. And I know today's Mission Sunday, and I'm spending a lot of time here on just the upward focus and not the outward focus, but this is foundational. If we're not keeping our focus on our Lord Jesus Christ, we're not giving him the honor and glory due. We're going to ultimately fall on our face because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we must keep our eyes on Jesus. And so the source for the church's upwardly focused, the well from which we draw on, is Christ. And um, I could take you all throughout the Bible about the source of Christ being the source and, and his word and the truth for those things that we need to go to the well to draw from to keep our eyes on Jesus. But just for uh, brevity's sake, I just want to keep us in John chapter 17 here. This is uh, the Lord's high priestly prayer. This is just before he was to go and die on the cross. He prayed this prayer to the Father. It's an amazing chapter. I encourage all of you to spend some time there. You just see a, a connection and uh, Jesus um, demonstrated love for his followers in this, in this passage of scripture and his prayer to the Father like none other. And so we see here in just these three different instances of chapter 17, the source, the well from which we can draw from. That's first Christ's intercession as the great high priest. He says there, I ask on their behalf. I did not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Christ intercedes, interceding for us. Uh, the book of Hebrews is just a wonderful book about how Jesus is the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek and he is forever at the right hand of the throne of God, forever making intercession for the saints. The priest in the Old Testament was um, man's representative for God, right? He would go to God and, on, man's, on the people's request. And so Jesus came into his, this is the story of the scripture, that Jesus came into his creation as a spotless lamb of God, took the penalty and payment for our sin and uh, rose again. And he ascended, which we celebrated last week, right? His resurrection. And the, as the book of Hebrews demonstrates, he's forever making intercession for us after the order of Melchizedek. And so he, that is the source. Christ is the source, his intercession for us. And so the good news for us is that it's not about our own merit. Any longer those who are in Christ are given Christ's righteousness. And so we can, as the book of Hebrews says, boldly go before the throne of grace in our prayers, in our um, just uh, need to be able to come to him for rescue and redemption and all those things. We have an intercessor. Christ is our intercessor on a behalf that enabled that way, enabled us for us to be able to, be able to come boldly before God's throne. 
The second thing that's referenced here is John 17. Another source that we have been given, this beautiful, wonderful gift, this treasure, God's word. Christ said in his prayer to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We can have an intimate knowledge of who our God and creator is because he's given us inspired words through his prophets and through his apostles written and codified for us so that we can know him and have a special revelation of who he is and what he's all about and what his plan of redemption is all about. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus came for sinners and died for them and took their penalty so that we might have an eternity and be adopted into God's family. So we have these sources in which we can draw from Christ's intercession as a high priest, the truth of God's word that we can go to and trust in and, and learn of him and grow closer to him because of that. It's the Holy Spirit is referenced again in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's what the God the spirit uses to, to mold us and sanctify us and set us apart um, for his purposes as we look into God's truth and be transformed into the image of God. And then finally, Christ's atoning work on the cross. John seventeen nine. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. And so he's about to go to the cross, and sanctify means to be set aside, to set a, himself, to be set apart. And he, he knows what's coming, and he's, he's about to, to set himself apart to be the sacrifice for all who would believe and trust in his vicarious work on the cross. He did that so we could be sanctified. We could be set apart for God's purposes, for God's intended purpose for man and the church. We can be set apart in his truth. Christ, the truth of God's word and his atoning sacrifice are the means, are the source, the well which we can draw from every day to be able to have and maintain our upward focus. If you do not abide in me, you can do nothing. So important. So important that we keep our upward focus on the, on the Christ. And so a healthy church, hopefully you would agree that that's what we at least attempt to do here, right? And uh, ultimately it's, it's about um, why we do the other things, why we love one another, and why we go out beyond these walls and go halfway across the world to India. It's because of what Christ has done on our account. One of my favorite scriptures is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote this, For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should no longer henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Christ's love, the love of Christ constrains us or controls us. We look and we see this wonderful gift that is given to us and it's an expression of his love towards us and as we ponder that and we look to that and we keep our focus on that that's the love that controls us it's no longer about doing a list of do's and don'ts but this love that's demonstrated by our God and the and the vicarious work of Jesus Christ as we look to that and gaze to that that controls us that constrains us that causes us to die to self and live for him that causes us to no longer focus on self, but look to the others, to others outside of us. 
which naturally flows into our inward focus. As we become a believers, God calls us to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but to assemble. This wonderful thing as we gospel is proclaimed throughout the world, and the, the message that if you, by faith, turn from, from your religious works or your good merits or your good righteousness and trust in Jesus alone and his righteousness that he's provided for you in your behalf. If you turn from that and turn to him, to, to God and the gospel and Jesus in, on the, the substitutionary death on the cross, that you are saved. That you become adopted into his family. Your, this family is called his church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It's the called out ones. So people hear the gospel. They, they repent. They turn from, from whatever they were doing. And they trust in Christ alone. And the scriptures declare them to be added into Christ's body. Which is the church. In Ephesians and Colossians and many other places. And as we're called into this body. This universal body that's all throughout the world. And has been since Christ has come and died and began in the, the day of Pentecost. The church, this universal body is, is expanding and growing, but it's represented here locally in churches such as Alpine and other churches throughout the valley and all throughout the world. We're a physical manifestation of this universal body. But Christ calls us to, to this physical manifestation and, and for us, and he calls this when he was in his earthly ministry in John chapter 13, he says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he says this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He says we're called into this body, this physical manifestation of this universal church, Christ declares to us the need to be able to express this love as we gaze on our open focus towards, towards the Lord and Christ and what he's done for us, to express that horizontally to those around us and specifically here, this inward focus, the church. In Philippians chapter two, Paul writes this, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation to love, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. As followers of Christ, it's no longer about us. It's about our relationship and our upward focus to, through Christ and expressing that appreciation, that, that controlling love that constrains us to express that horizontally to those around us and to those specifically in the church. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to declare how Jesus, Jesus' humility was demonstrated on the cross as he stepped into his creation. Took upon the form of a servant. Came with no sin as the spotless lamb of God. Yet voluntarily gave his life and endured the wrath of God and his punishment on sin for our behalf. 
He did not consider himself. He looked forward to the time in which those who would trust in this wonderful gift that he's given would be added into the church body. And so we see the importance of inward focus, right? As we focus on the Lord, the, the, and as Jesus says, by this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What better way to express the love of God as we express our love for one another because of what he's done for us on our behalf. So important that we keep that inward focus. Bear one another's burdens, it says in Galatians chapter 6 and 2. We're supposed to do life together. Right? My wife always says, you might be sick of me right now, but you better get used to me because I'm going to be with you for eternity. Right? And so um, we're to bear one another's burdens, live life together. It's not an accident that you're here and you're part of this church. And as a healthy church, as this biblical framework is being shown to us, it's important to be involved, not as a checklist, but as a means in which we can be a healthy expression of what God desires his church to be. And then finally, we come to the outward focus, what we're here and focusing on today, and that's the Great Commission. And the famous passage for this is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, I had, when I first moved to Utah about uh, eight years ago, I was putting in my application everywhere, as probably many of you have as well, and I got called for an interview in, in Salt Lake, and so I had my resume, and I gave it to him, and he, so he's looking it over, and we're talking. He was a really nice guy, and uh, he had noticed that my degree was in a, from a biblical uh, Bible college, you know, and, and so I just, I, I got a question in the job interview that I was not prepared for. He said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. So I'm thinking, it's a telecom, you know, thing. He goes, where do you get your authority at? I'm like, what? Well, it says here you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, got a degree in biblical counseling. Where's your authority from? And I immediately pointed into this verse. Jesus gave me the authority. Because I'm in his church. And he says, well, that, the Matthew 28, that's for the disciples. And I said, well, if you continue to read the New Testament... The apostles in Ephesians chapter 2, the apostles and the prophets are the foundation, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone on which the church is built. That's where I get my authority from. It's just kind of interesting to see that. But this is the authority that he's given us as the church, and this is his command, the great commission that he's provided for the church to look beyond ourselves and look beyond not only to take care of ourselves, but then look beyond our walls. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's Christ's command for our outward focus. Yes, we must always keep the outward focus. Without that, if we lose sight of that, we've left our first love, we need to repent and always go back to that. Right? The Christian walk is always a walk of faith and repentance. We're always wandering and we're always trying to uh, seek God's the, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to come back to what's important and keep our focus on God and demonstrating that love that he's gave us by loving one another as a um, way in which we can witness to those around us specifically, but then he asks us to go outwardly beyond the walls Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. 
This is uh, after Jesus' resurrection. He's just about ready to ascend into heaven. He says this, but you will receive power when this Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So what are we supposed to do with this power? The scriptures declare that those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ are then regenerated and the Holy Spirit, we become the temple of God and the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit dwells inside the hearts of the believer. And we're given this power. And what does Christ want us to do with this power? You should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Well, we don't live in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria, but we, we have our own Jerusalem, don't, do we not? It's in Lehi. This is where we live. This is where God's called us all to be. I know that for a fact because you're here. And he desires us to be witnesses to our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones and demonstrate God's love in our interactions with them and be able to witness to them, to share the wonderful news, the good news of the gospel. And then Judea and Samaria, right? It gets bigger and bigger. Judea is our, maybe Utah County or Utah. Samaria, the United States. He's called this church of a couple hundred people to fulfill this great commission. But he's given us power to do it. The power of the Holy Spirit. The source in which we can draw from. Christ's intercession for us. The the truth of the word of God. And the power of the Spirit working inside of us as uh, he didn't want, desires to demonstrate his glory to those around us and to demonstrate the gospel's power. I love this passage in 1 Thessalonians about this church that Paul, in one of his missionary journeys, established. And he wrote this letter to him, and there's, it's just an amazing thing. Um, it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men... We proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. If you follow in Acts, this missionary journey, you'll understand that the people that believed and trusted in the gospel after Paul preached endured some pretty serious tribulation because of what they, what they decided to do in following Jesus. But it says here that in spite of that tribulation, they had much joy. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling with inside of them. Verse 7 goes on, So that you may become an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. Here's an apostle of Jesus Christ walking into town. He goes, I have some good news for you. And they're saying, oh, we already heard it from this church down in Thessalonica. We've already seen the power. We've already seen it. It's already spread. Why? Because this church decided, saw the promises of God and decided by faith to step out and express this wonderful thing. Even in the midst of tribulation, they did this. They were witnesses because of what the Holy Spirit can do in the heart of each and every believer. For they themselves report of us about us, what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. That's the message of the gospel 
and the, the message being worked out in the lives of everyone who hears it. Everyone needs to be presented with the good news that Jesus died for our sin, that it's no, no religious work, that all have, fall, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. And it's those who understand that because of our need and the need that we could not personally pay or pay back towards God, that God intervened on our behalf, came into creation, his creation. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, the Lamb of God, without spot or blemish, came and lived a perfect life, lived the law to its fullest, fulfilled everything for us, and then went to the cross to pay our sin debt, that he did not sin, but the sin that we had. It's called um, the great exchange. Second Corinthians talks about he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's a gift. We can't earn it. Grace is unmerited favor by God. That's the definition of grace. It's unmerited. It's because he loved us. He did that for us. That's the wonderful good news. That It's not about what you can do or what you haven't done or have done. It's about what Christ has done. And that's the wonderful message of the gospel. And as we... Those, like the people that heard this message, they turned from their idols and they turned to God to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. So we have Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then it goes on to say, and even the remotest part of the earth. And so... You might ask, why India? Why halfway across the world? There's so much need here in the United States. Why must we go all the way over to India and spend our precious resources and and stuff? It's because we, we desire to live out the Great Commission as a church, but we also desire to live out this 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 life of this walk of faith that God has called us to. We could probably pick something that's a little easier to get to and a little easier to, to fund, and a little easier to interact with. But there's no faith in that. If we settle for what we're comfortable with, it's not a, no longer a life of faith. And we desire to model that, what God has called us to, this life of faith. Setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and trusting that God will use this little body, this physical manifestation of his church here in Lehi, to do a work almost exactly halfway around the world. We believe as we step out in faith, as Kara has, and many of you have done for many years now through the One Love Ministry, that God is honored in that. He's glorified in that. And we desire that people in India will know the wonderful news of the gospel. That's what it's all about. It's not just about humanitarian. It's about setting the stage for God to do a work in the hearts of all those who interact, who we interact with in India. So how do we interact in India? One Love is ABC's expression of our outward focus of a healthy church. But with the size of ABC being what it is and the relative infancy of our church, we're under 10 years old. Uh, our focus needs to be both intentional and narrow, right? We can't just do a shotgun approach and 
so that we need to be intentional and narrow. And so one love provides us the opportunity to do that in India. And then just as Jesus was relational, one love is relational. All of you have been, for many years, many of you have been helping pack packets and suitcases and, and contributing money to this work that we're desiring to do here in India. But beyond that, it's relational in India as well. I hope you get the chance to hear story, uh, Kara's story about how Joseph and herself, Joseph is Joseph Thomas is a, a pastor that we've been supporting for many years through One Love over the, there in India. And um, he was on the brink of shutting down his ministry and getting a secular job, crying out to God, um, shutting down his, the school because he couldn't afford to pay the teachers. And through God's providential working, Kara had uh, met Joseph on her second, first and second trips to India. And uh, through God's providential working, Kara committed to, to helping them through the One Love Ministry. And that's how it was created. And it's just an amazing um, groundswell and just providential working of God, how not only Kara and Joseph's heart were knitted together, but now Joseph's and his family's heart are knitted together with us as ABC. I was kind of shaken, taken aback when I met Joseph when I went over to India a couple, you know, at the end of February. And he said, I love Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church is my family. Joseph is the hands and feet of ABC. And I, my prayer is that all of you would meet Joseph one day, that we could get him here and his family. But because we can't do that just with a snap of the fingers, uh, Shalom took many hours of footage in the video. And he has given us a, uh, provided us a clip today you guys might see and maybe understand a little more of Joseph and who he is and let you know that he's a part of our family here at ABC. So Joseph, go ahead. Or Shalom, go ahead. Uh, my name is Joseph. Uh, actually, my, my real name is Srinivas, which is the meaning of Srinivas is a God name, the name of Hindu God because I come from a Hindu background. My mother and my, my mother was very strong Hindu. She had a long hair and she was devoted to her religion so much, so deeply. She used to go to the temple. She will wash the floors of the temple with, the, with her hair. My father had a leprosy. And because of this leprosy, my father was so much disturbed. He never wants to spend time with me. Whenever I used to come to my father, to spend time with him, he will chase me out. Every day, he will go out to drink alcohol. If you don't have money to drink alcohol, he will sell out the things from my house. In the middle of the night, my father knocked the door and he came with full trunk and he started kicking my mother. He started beating my mother. I was very, very small, like a child. I was like three and a half years old that time. My mother was screaming and she was asking for help. She was shouting, please come and help somebody, save, save our life. I was sleeping in my bed, so I heard that sound. And I went outside, I, I asked people to come and help my mother, but nobody came there. My mother was bleeding and I tried to save my mother. 
1982, uh, one great man of God, Dr. M. A. Thomas, he visited our leper colony, and I was playing that time on the on the street without without any clothes because my father, mother was very poor. I never been to school, never had good food to eat, so I was playing on the street of that leper colony. This man of God, he saw me there, and he had compassion on me. and he thought that he will take me to that orphanage but my mother had a option to send me there she said that if i send this child there i can even protect my son with this problems every day what she see and one day she decided to take me to that orphanage so i asked my mother where are you, where are we going she said that we are taking you to school for study but actually we are going to the orphanage and she said that she is going to buy some chocolate for me I was so happy because in my house I never got chocolate, no ice cream, no chocolate. I don't know what is chocolate means also. But when my mother said I'm going to get some chocolate for you, I was so happy. And she she asked me to sit down on the stairs of that orphanage. Four-year-old boy, I was sitting there, and she said that do not move from here, don't move unless I come. She went there to the market and within a nine second. or 10 seconds she disappeared from my eyes but i was excited that she will come back with a lot of chocolate and uh, i was so happy but i waited for half an hour one hour then i waited for 2 hours 3 hours i didn't get the chocolate still I still remember. I slept in, on the stairs of that orphanage. She just lied to me. She never came back for 17 years, and I was waiting every day for my mother to come. Somebody took me from the stairs, and they put they put me on the bed. I slept there the next day morning again I started crying I started asking question by myself why this thing happened to me why my mother left me here but she never came back I started missing my mother very badly I never had chance to spend time with my father because he doesn't want to spend time with me I was so hurt. I was I was going through so much of pain. But very slowly I understood that if I stay here I will get a good life in that orphanage. People in that orphanage they were very caring for me. They started loving me and they sent me to school which was very that was a turning point for my life. When I went to Sunday school somebody told me that Jesus loves you so much. and he cares for you and uh, i learned that bible says that there is a plan for my life god has plan for me after my bible college i went to my room i started praying lord what do you want me to do then god said that you have to go back to the your own people to the lepers who are rejected there is no one to help them there is no one who care for them so god said that you have to go back help these lepers care for them and raise more joseph from that leper colony 
In one month, I used to share gospel with 37,000 students, 22 Hindu school. They opened their door for me. Every day, 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock, I stay in public school. I share gospel. Last year, Alpine Church was here in Faridabad. I took that team to that one of the school. They had a very good ministry there. In India, we have a big problem of child marriage, child labor, sex trafficking. Even people sell their girls for a little bit of money. So my fear is that, that it should not happen to this girl. When we came here, we felt that these girls need someone who can care for these girls, who can love them, who can understand the way they think. Because we've grown up in that atmosphere. As I am started my ministry here, for the last two years I am here, I got chance to bring so many leper, leper colony girls here from the leper family. And uh, we see hope in these girls. I teach them Bible, I teach them how to worship, and uh, we, we see uh, like ourselves in them. We have 86 girls here. I know all the girls very well. What is good in them, what is bad in them, what is, what is their weakness, what is good thing in their characters. We see a big dream about these girls that one day, one day they should have a good life. They should, uh, we teach them to dream every day. When I talk to these girls, I tell them there is nothing wrong dreaming, you know. You have to dream a big dream. And uh, we have a big God also who answers our prayer. So I tell all the girls, you have to tell all your dreams to God and God will bring someone to fulfill that dream. You know, people, people come according to God's plan. Like Alpine is an answer of my prayer, Alpine Church. We were praying, uh, 16 years I prayed in my ministry life in the leper colony. 16 years, after 16 years I got Alpine Church in my life. Alpine Church, <laughs> I don't have enough words to say, like Alpine Church is my, one of our, it's not a church, like Alpine is my family, and because of my sister Kara. I met her in 2007 years ago, and uh, she have a big heart for children. Best part about Alpine Church is they fulfill all the promise. And uh, moreover, they also have big heart for children. They have compassion, they, they love our girls and uh, whenever they come here for last two years Alpine Church is coming here regularly and uh, they have done a great work here bringing resources from the US for these girls supporting our girls and uh, supporting our leper ministry I met so many leper uh, Americans they never come and hug any lepers they never touch their hands but something different you know about Alpine is like they they show the real character of Jesus through their life. When they come in the leper colony, they go and hug these lepers. They help them with medication. They provide food. And for last many years, my sister Kara has supported me to help these lepers. So Alpine Church is a great church. I love them. Today you see some, someone has impacted my life. When I was in the orphanage, someone came to my life, you know. My sister Kara 
she she invested into melon because of her help i i did so much because of her help i i impacted other children so if alpine church if one family will support one child these girls will impact some other children like me so hey man i've never met a man so full of the holy spirit in my life and uh we're here to stand by joseph as one love ministry we want to support joseph and what his he's doing and not only mason's plates but the slum schools and the leprosy colonies he expressed his desire to expand those ministries and so because we're a small church we need to be focused and intentional in our funds and so by faith we're we're going to let joseph know that by faith we're going to step out we're going to we're going to ask or we're going to depend on god to provide $500 a month for joseph and and ministry through one love so that Joseph can have the resources necessary to continue to to do what he's doing in the slum schools and the, the orphanage and uh, at Mason's place. He's their pastor, right? He's the director, but he's truly their pastor. And so we, after, after much prayer and, and talking with Kara and, and uh, mem- members of the group, uh, the, of the team, we're, we're going to stand by Joseph. Joseph is the hands and feet of Alpine Bible Church in India. He's allowing us to fulfill the Great Commission the othermost parts of the earth. And so we just want to ask you to pray to God and, and see if you would be part of that as we step out in faith to supply those funds for him and for his future and what his future plans. And of course, Mason's Place, uh, Hope Partners International has a website. If you feel led to donate, uh, to support, um, sponsor, that's the word, sponsor a girl, you can go to their website and do that as well. But as far as One Love's concerned, we want to stand behind Joseph and continue to support him in all that he's doing and uh, proclaiming the gospel there in India and Faridabad and Ajmer and, and Lord will in other places. This message has been brought to you by Alpine Bible Church in Lehigh, Utah. If you'd like more information, please visit us online at alpinebible.com.